Hey everybody, today's episode is brought to you exclusively by the good folks at Blue Note Therapeutics. Blue Note creates digital therapeutics to help cancer patients cope with the emotional distress associated with our disease. Check out their premier product, COVID Cancer Care, at covidcancercare.com, and we'll keep you posted on more programs that they're going to be releasing soon. All right, everyone, this is Trevor coming to you from Man Up to Cancer World Headquarters in beautiful Cape Elizabeth, Maine. I have a solo freestyle show for you today. No awesome music, uh, no production by the amazing people with Redbird Media Group. Um, and sadly, I am st- still missing my co-pilot, uh, Kellen Wellborn, um, mostly because I have been more in patient mode. So with my cancer being active um, and needing to kind of scramble to put the pieces together for what we're going to do next for it, um, I've been traveling a lot. I've been going down to Johns Hopkins in Baltimore from Maine uh, a lot and um, just been swamped. So haven't really been able to book out too much or to sit down with Kellen and, and do some recording. Um, so I would love for Kellen to be back as the co-pilot for a lot of these shows soon. And hopefully we can make that happen. Um, Kellen, I know you're listening. We all love you and you're awesome. Um, yeah. So solo show today, cancer, anger, and airports. So yeah, our story today, let's sit down and, and, uh, it's a regrettable tale, I suppose, but instructive because, hey, it inspired a podcast, right? So my family and I are a couple, well, yeah, like a couple weeks ago, we were taking a big vacation and we, we had a great vacation. Um, the vacation was to go visit my father and his fiance, um, who are out in Davis, California, and we live out here in Maine. So big trip. Um and the way it turned out, so look, we're not like, we're not frequent travelers, um, except when I get treatment. Um, but we're not like points people, like we don't have, uh, we don't have status. We're, we're, we're just regular, you know, plebes on a plane. So our itinerary to get to California from Maine was to take a plane from Portland, Maine to Baltimore, and then Baltimore to Las Vegas. Um, no long stopover to, you know, lose any money. Um, and then Las Vegas to Sacramento. So, uh, initially we had bought a trip with one stop, but it got changed, of course. So anyways, we are, we get to Baltimore first stop. Everything's going great. And in Baltimore, we're lining up to get to the plane to Las Vegas and people are getting pretty rowdy. And, um, and of course we're in like, so boarding group C, which is like, they should just call it last. But, um, so people are, so we're on Southwest. Southwest airlines has open seating policy. Now, basically you get a boarding group, uh, like preferred, all these other things and ABC. And you know, when you get on the plane, then you sit wherever there's a seat available. So we're in the C group and you're supposed to line up. They have these like, they have these uh, stations where you're supposed to line up with your group and and you get a group C, but you also get a number where you're supposed to line up in line. So we were like C1 or whatever, C1 through four. And literally there's these signs there that say like exactly where you're supposed to stand based on your number. So, you know, I'm a rule follower and 
most of the time. Um, so we're getting ready to line up and turns out, you know, all the other people with C status have just like rushed the line to like get, you know, close up to where they can get in faster. So I take my wife, Sarah, and our daughters, Sage, who is 15, <clears throat> Elsie, who is 13, and I start going up to that C1 through 4 spot where we're supposed to be. And, of course, there's like three guys there, like clearly headed to party in Vegas. And they kind of just look at us and shrug us off, like, what are these guys doing here? And I'm like, so I ha- we're, we're C1 through 4, so I would like to line up here. And this guy, of course, the guy, you know, he's probably like late 20s, maybe early 30s, younger guy, but, you know, plenty of life experience. He just kind of looks at me and gives me this disgusted look like, man, get in the, it's just a line. Get, go get in the back, basically. Oh, man. Yeah. So I look over at my family, you know, on this trip and I'm thinking, here's this guy. I'm like, I'm really not going to take this from this guy. So I'm like actually, you know, there's these spots, here's the numbers, this is what you're supposed to do. And he just turns it on, like, dude, you don't, like, you're being an idiot. It's open seating. Just get back. Like, it's just a line. Now, look, I, so I kind of start talking back to the guy. I'm like, dude, like, don't give me attitude. This is where we're supposed to be. We're getting in front of you. So we I pull the kids in. At this point, the kids are kind of horrified. They're like, ooh, wow, the tensions are escalating. They're like, yeah, we could just go to the back. And I'm thinking in my head, like, no, we're not just going to go to the back. Like, this is like Chevy Chase moment. Like, it, <laughs> at some point, you got to, like, put up a stand. You can't just get walked over all the time, right? Especially in airports. So, I'm giving this guy plenty of attitude back. And I'm like, no, we're here. So, I pull the family over. And then, you know, he continues to just run his mouth he's just yeah what are like i can't even remember the specifics but he's running his mouth at me and my family's right there and my blood starts to boil i'm just i'm getting really angry and 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 he he, he go at one point i turned around and i just stare him down and he looks back at me and he goes he's like yeah i'm right here i'm right here bro <laughs> so we're literally in a line for a southwest plane and I know it's the stupidest thing in the world to take that bait, but man, I, I really wanted to take him out right there. Like I was very close to having a, a, um, a federal aviation incident. <clears throat> so, um, I, I turn away because for all the right reasons, right? Of course. And I'm look, I'm sure this guy has his own burdens to carry and I don't know what's going on in his life. He certainly doesn't know what's going on in mine, but here's where my mind goes. This asshole has no idea what hardship is, right? I mean, he doesn't get up every morning and think, and his first thought is probably not, oh shit, I got cancer. How do I survive this shit? How do I survive this disease that's trying to kill me? Generally, that's often one of the early thoughts that when I get up and get going, like survival. Secondly, like he doesn't know that our family is going to California because me and my wife and our daughters want to see the ocean together and the redwoods and cities because we don't know if we will ever get that opportunity again as a family. 
we that uncertainty is real. You know, he doesn't know I'm a stage four cancer patient. He doesn't know that after that trip, we go to California right afterwards, like literally within a day, I'm flying back to Baltimore so that doctors can knock me out, maneuver a scope down my throat and poke holes with a small needle through my stomach wall so they can take biopsy samples of the tumor that is growing of one of the tumors that's growing in my abdomen. So none of that is his fault. I'm glad that this guy doesn't have to understand those realities. I wouldn't wish ill on that guy, but in the moment, um, my anger, resentment, whatever it is, it just, I was triggered, fully triggered. And it just comes boiling to the surface. And that's a powerful emotion. And the reality is that I'm not just angry because some guy was a jerk in the airport. Like that's pretty commonplace. Um, and I'm glad that I didn't explode on the guy and, you know, get yanked out like bridesmaid style and like put on a bus somewhere after going to a federal detention center. I'm not just, I'm not just angry because he's a jerk. I'm angry because I still have cancer. I'm still fighting to stay alive, fighting for my family. And that is really fucking hard. It's hard for me. It's hard for the people who love me. So sometimes you're on edge. And secondly, I will admit, uh, the other factor in this is steroids because I have been on prednisone. So as it turns out, my immunotherapy treatment has probably crashed my hormone uh, system. My cortisol level, like three weeks ago or something, was like 1.6 in the morning. It's supposed to be quite a bit higher than that. Um, so, and, and my other hormone levels were wonky as well. So my oncologist put me on a uh, steroid prednisone taper. So anyone who has been, whether cancer or not, anyone who's been on this, the special drug of prednisone has that understanding of that special rage that, that you get when you're triggered on it. So that's part of it too. I admit that. So as we get going, as we travel and we get through the flight, like halfway through the flight, I'm still like looking for this guy, <laughs> you know, like still on my mind, like I'm going to sock that guy right in the mouth. <laughs> and, but then after that, it kind of, you know, it, it dissipates. And I really start thinking, you know, I start reflecting on what's really going on with me. And, and then I feel like I'm on the verge of tears because you know how you get in those like intense moments and, and, and anger runs high and there's like a dispute. And then afterwards, like sometimes you just feel like crying. And I felt like crying because usually my anger is simply another expression of grief, that grief of the experience that we're all facing. And, and so, and so it comes to me, I'm just like, yeah, I was angry at the guy and it was stupid. But at the core of that is, is that, that, that sadness around my people, right. And and my love for them. So, so I, you know, I was getting a little sad and then, then I just, I processed it. I really thought on it. I thought about compassion. You know, I understand that most of the baggage around an incident like that is my own. It's, you know, the guy was a jerk, but I just should let it go. But it's hard when, when, when I have for these particular set of circumstances that I'm living in right now, that's kind of the lens that 
I'm seeing the world through. So anyways, I find as much compassion as I can for that guy. Like I don't need to carry that anger around any longer than I need to, which is a really short time. So, but I just share that story because I think, I think a lot of you would identify with that. I think a lot of you understand when you do get triggered and sometimes that anger comes out sideways and it's about so much more than whatever experience you are facing in the moment, you know, whatever the, the trigger experience is, it's, it's, it's a lot deeper than that, obviously. So this is the emotion that I want to focus on today. Um, and again, this is a, I think I'm just gonna, you know, I, I'm gonna share a couple more stories. This is really just a, a freestyle rant on, uh, on anger, resentment, bitterness, some of those really uncomfortable emotions that come up during our cancer experiences and how we cope with those feelings. You know, I don't think I have examined my anger nearly enough over the past three years since my cancer diagnosis. I don't think I've given it enough space to breathe or, or given it the proper outlets to, to get it out. And, and probably a lot of that is just because I'm someone who is, generally very concerned about how my emotions affect others and, and no emotion affects others more or is more unsettling than anger. And and a lot of that is like kid stuff for me too. You know, um, I grew up with tremendous parents, but my, my mother, uh, struggled with type one bipolar, um, sort of in and out of, of hospitals, um, for all of my life, really. Um, a super amazing woman, uh, super successful and, and was a nurse for a long time and carried out a career while being treated for it. But then, um, there were many episodes, uh, many episodes where I saw an anger that was pretty terrifying. And, and I think anyone who's experienced that, um, who has experienced seeing that illness or having a loved one with that particular illness knows where I'm coming from there. So so there's probably some of me that veers away from anger in general because of that background as well. Also, if you're a cancer patient expressing anger, you basically run the risk of being judged as an ungrateful person in general. Because we know that the cancer muggles out there, they like it best when we, the patients, uh, exhibit positivity, perseverance, and gratitude at all times because to do otherwise would basically be discouraging to others, especially those who are new on the bus. Um, so, so there's these issues around cancer and anger that are kind of thorny. Some of the other times that I've experienced anger as a cancer patient are just so irrational and like just crazy. And, and I get that, like, before I get to like the one really concrete example, which I call the Panera incident, uh, in a bit, just in general, like when we, when Sarah and I used to when we'd go for walks, like early on in my diagnosis, anywhere we'd be in public, we'd see, you know, old people like holding hands or just enjoying life, like just happy old people. And I'd see a happy old couple and, and like both of us would get angry, but I'd really get angry. Just be like, you know, cause you think, you know, a lot of those thoughts that are going through your head around, are we going to have the opportunity to do that? Am I going to be able to smile with my wife into our old age, you know? Odds uh, are against me. I'm certainly betting on myself, but um, it's 
yeah, it's like, you know, when you're facing metastatic cancer, it, that's rough. And so obviously I have no animosity towards old people. Uh, love them. Uh, many of them are my friends and relatives. Um, I'm old according to my teenagers. <laughs> but you just, <clears throat> there's a there's this resentment that comes up and, and there's no place to put it. So you're not angry at them. You're just angry because you're angry. And, and you know it's irrational. Um, you know, other people, like when you see people who have horrible habits, let's say someone's just ripping, you know, two packs of butts, like all in a row and just like double fisting Pepsi or malt liquor or whatever. You see people doing that kind of stuff and especially people who are older and just haven't seemed to have any health impacts from it. And you're just like, that's great. So glad that I tried to take such good care of myself and ended up with uh, stage four colon cancer at age 41 when I was diagnosed. Um, it's just another trigger. I'm sure that you guys, it's, it's not probably not a popular thing to talk about, but um, it's another thing that I'm sure you guys can relate to. And again, no animosity, no judgment. Like, damn, I have no judgment against those people. Are you kidding me? Like, that's, that's great. I want people to live. I want people to live long lives with their families. I just want to be one of them. Yeah. So I think now's a really good spot to, this is actually a good break for me. I'm going to take a one minute break because I want to do a shout out to Blue Note. Um, so Blue Note Therapeutics sponsor today's podcast, you know, it's amazing that we have sponsors because it costs money to produce this stuff. It costs money to do what I do with Man Up to Cancer. And I don't want to ask my cancer patient community for help. So I have these great partners. Um, and I only partner with companies that offer real solutions for our community. So Blue Note's goal is to make digital therapeutics available to every cancer patient from diagnosis and treatment to survivorship. Digital therapeutics treat conditions like anxiety and depression related to cancer using evidence-based software. These therapies address the emotional distress that many of us face Yes, that's one of the things I'm talking about today. And they um, are accessible. Their programs are accessible anytime, anywhere, on your computer or mobile device. Check out their premier product, COVID Cancer Care, at covidcancercare.com. And a big shout out to Jeff, Laura, and the rest of the Blue Note team. I am always grateful for your support. Um, and <laughs> what they're working on is helping me with the anger stuff too. So... All right, so I want to share with you the Panera incident. <clears throat> I got diagnosed in March of 2018. I had colon surgery in April. I had chemo, and then I had uh, my first liver surgery in November. And right around the time that I was getting ready, I believe, for my like first, it might have been like September, October, right around the time when I found out that my liver did indeed have uh, metastasis in it and that I was going to go for surgery. Um, <clears throat> I, I was in a black hole of despair and, and anxiety and depression. It was like, it was just a brutally rough time for me and I was not getting out much at all. <laughs> so one day I, I don't know what I was doing. I was out near the main mall area over here in South Portland, Maine. And I was going to grab I was just going to grab myself lunch. Like I was hungry for once. I wasn't really hungry much back then. I went into Panera. I go into Panera. I order a sandwich and like a soup and I sit down 
and I am just in a dark place. And the four guys sitting next to me, older guys, you know, 50s, 60s, they are share, They're having a conversation about cancer. And the conversation is going something like this. Um, basically, they're talking about that cancer is a disease ca- caused by um, abnormal psychology, caused by past trauma or, or ongoing trauma where a person uh, is in a, a bad place psychologically and that brings on illness, brings on cancer. And, and that they had they've been reading some magazine articles around this and, and, been, and the other guy. So this guy is going on about this for like five minutes and the other guys are like, yeah, absolutely. That's so true, man. You know, people attract what, people attract what um, they manifest this and manifest that and they, they attract this. And, and then if you can just break that psychological problem, then you can, you know, basically think yourself to health. Now, I've gone over this topic quite a bit in my blog and, and somewhat on the podcast but the uh, the notion that we have caused our diseases um, by our way of thinking and that we can cure ourselves by our way of thinking is, is a pretty big trigger for me. Um, yeah, I'll just kind of leave it at that. But it's a pretty pervasive one. And I always go back to like... <clears throat> cancer being a, a, a physical illness, right? Like they're, they're these cells that are abnormally dividing in our body. And I think about someone with like a, you know, spinal cord that has been damaged and like, would we tell that spinal cord patient, you know, well, first of all, you must, you did something to bring this on. Like you must've had some bad karma somewhere along the way or, you know, thought wrongly. So you, you severed your spinal cord and now you can put that cord back together. If you would just think the right way or pray the right way or whatever. Um, and this is a tricky subject area for me because I, I obviously believe in the power of positive thinking. I, I understand that there's a proven link between positivity and health, but I also believe wholeheartedly that it's unhealthy to suppress our emotions. And that's what bothers me about the toxic positivity movement and so much of cancer land. This notion that you have to stay positive all the time. Don't let the bad thoughts creep in. You know, I understand the intention is good. And yes, we all know the connection again between positive mindset and better health, but to deny sadness and anger and fear, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. I believe we should give those emotions the space they are asking for, process them and move forward. I, I think it's healthy to when we're talking about anger specifically, I think it's healthy to acknowledge anger and to give it an outlet. And again, I don't think it does any good to shame cancer patients specifically into this idea that they have mind over matter when it comes to cancer. That's my opinion. I know there's a lot of opinions out there on this. Um, but that's, that's just mine. And, and I got the mic, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so yeah, so these guys are going on and on about this. And and I'm at that point where I'm just about to get my, my my liver cut open. And my girls were, our daughters were 12 and 10 at the time. And I just, again, was felt that like, you know, the heat just rises up um, in your belly and in your throat. And you're like, oh boy, this is, this is, I'm getting pretty angry here. So in that case, all I did was I, I kind of just turned over to those guys and I was like, hey, you know, 
you know, it was an interesting conversation, kind of just interjected, and they looked over at me, kind of stunned, like, oh, who would be listening to my conversation in the middle of Panera? Um, I said, you know, so I'm a stage four colon cancer patient, and I've got a couple young daughters um, at home. I was just just wondering, and you know, maybe if you want to just come over and explain to them how I how I brought this disease upon my family and myself. I did want to throat punch the guy, but I didn't do that again. Again, I, you know, and I, I don't want people to get the wrong idea. Like I am a very, I don't have a, I generally don't have a temper issue. I, I'm a very mild mannered person. I, I like to get along with everyone. Every, anyone who knows me knows that. So, but, but then when things do need to be addressed, I don't feel like they should just be left unaddressed. So I said that they kind of stared at me and they didn't say, they didn't have any word to say, like, to say it and it was like this weird silence for like 15 seconds and so I just added on I was like I just want to point out like I you know everyone's entitled to their opinions and beliefs absolutely I'm not here to dispute that all I'm saying is when you're in a public place like this and you're having that kind of conversation you just might want to think about who might be hearing that and who might be affected by that I'm not gonna sit here and get (laughs) listen to that shit it's like no so they kind of just said, well, you know, we mumbled some stuff and there was like a weird apology and I just left. But anyways, that Panera incident was the other time that I just, I remember, that's the other time that I really remember getting so angry that I almost lost it. So yeah, those are a couple stories. I have my Southwest incident and my Panera incident. You know, I hear, I hear plenty of other uh, patients and survivors in cancer land say, you know, I, I don't get angry because I don't feel like I have the right to be angry. You know, look at this other person or that other person. Like they have it worse than I do. Um, or it would be worse to be a child or, or it would be worse to be a parent of someone going through cancer. And I totally get those perspectives. 100% agree um, that, that yeah, I'll, I'll bear this over a child or or being a parent, having a child go through this. And I, and I know plenty of people in both those situations. So I, I totally understand that. The problem with that approach, in my opinion, is that that can just suppress anger. It can really just shove it down or not look at it or not want to deal with it because anger is a very real, valid, powerful emotion that needs to be processed. And Usually, no matter what your circumstances, if you are facing cancer, if you're facing a life-threatening illness, there is grief that accompanies that. There is, and that grief um, goes along with how cancer impacts your life and the lives of those close to you. And that grief sometimes manifests as real, boiling up, put your fist through the drywall anger. You know, I guess we, I guess the other circumstance, what I could say we've all gotten angry is when we get when we get bad news, like when we get the bad scan that the cancer is on the move, that we need to change things up, you know, and we have those conversations at home. Like as a family, we definitely come together as that group and we just want to go out and smash pumpkins. And and that is one of the coping mechanisms that I'll get to toward the end here. But um, yeah, it's <clears throat> your pain is your pain. Your grief is your grief. 
none of that changes because you look at someone else's pain and say, well, that's worse than what I'm going through. But don't discount your own experiences and your own emotions and how going through this um, brings you, really brings you to the full spectrum of, of those God-given, Mother Nature-given emotions that we all have. If you're feeling that anger, come on, there's a reason for it. And, and there's something below the surface that wants to be explored. And it might be a piece of grief or something to do with grief that you can't even connect with the triggering piece, but but it's there and, and needs to be dealt with because anger that is beneath the surface and is floating around there that isn't being dealt with, that's a, that's a dangerous road right there. So just to finish up, uh, thanks for listening to my incidents. Let's talk a little bit about coping. Uh, so when that anger comes, what do we do to deal with it? First of all, let it be, let it breathe, feel it. Um, the obvious exercise, right? Physical activity, getting your body moving. Like we all know that. Um, ripping up phone books, going out and smashing pumpkins, smashing wiffle balls, softballs. I, I forget about what family it was, but I read about one family that got some bad news with a scan and went to, I believe they did the, went to an entire pumpkin field and just took what they took some weaponry with them and just had at it. And these are little kids just mashing these pumpkins up. Um, it's okay to get violent in a safe way. Like find a way to get violent in a safe way, whether it's kickboxing, smashing pumpkins, tearing things up, um, punching pillows. That There's a reason we, we are physical beings and, and there's a reason we have that. And, and that's calling out for dealing with that particular emotion. And then, you know, because I'm not super great at processing anger, I guess what I want to do is ask you guys, what do you guys do when the anger comes and it's, you know, it's related to your cancer experience and you're trying to figure out a way to get through that sticky point. So yeah, I'll wrap it up with that. Like, give me your suggestions. Uh, you can find the man up to, I'll, I'll post that question on the man up to cancer public Facebook page, which is facebook.com backslash cancer wolves, um, Instagram.com backslash cancer wolves. And also my personal, honestly, my personal Facebook page, Trevor Maxwell. Um, if you find me, that is where I do a lot of my communications and, and get the most, honestly, just get the most back and forth going on in terms of comments, um, and questions and back that back and forth, um, interaction is on my my personal page. So find me there as well. Um, so I'll, I'll put that out there. Just tell me, tell me the ways that you, you get through your anger. I'd love to hear from you guys. That is it for today. Um, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you listening in. Um, also if you have ideas, if you have ideas for the show topics that, that I should hit on or that me and Kellen, when we regroup can hit on, please let me know. All right, guys. I love you all. KFG.